Welcome to a new edition of Crawling Mondays. Today, I am delighted to cover a topic that is not very common. From SEO to CEO, how do you become an entrepreneur after being an SEO? And I have with me two of the people that I admire the most from the industry who, after being very successful SEOs themselves, they started to develop as entrepreneurs. They became CEOs of their company, and one of them already sold her company. And today will be a very special edition, which they will share their journeys, the, their do's and don'ts, all those tips and potentially advice that you really, really, really want to know if you want to follow this journey. So on one hand, I have the wonderful Lisa Pasque, who's now an entrepreneur and a consulting and advising and providing mentorship through her own company that is called ECTA. On the other hand, I have Bastian Grimm, who's the CEO of PKs, his online marketing agency. So thank you very much for joining me, Lisa and Bastian. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is going to be exciting. Yeah, thanks for having us. It will, it will. So I will start with the first question to spark the conversation. How did you make the decision to become entrepreneurs? I was working as a SEO head of search for a agency, a marketing agency. And um, for me, like getting into SEO was quite interesting. And, 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 you know, I had no idea what it was and I kind of landed into it and it just made so much sense to me. And I, I really think that I, that, that was like I had actual falling in love with their role where I was like, this totally makes sense. Why, why are people thinking this is, this is so complicated, you know? Um, and I tried to really convince the people that I worked with that this had so much potential. This was in 2005 when I started. Um, and it was about 2007, 2008, where I was like, look, I'd already grown the team then to like five people. It was really profitable, but it wasn't at all charging the amount of money that I thought it should be. And it was more like typical agency life where, you know, they added SEO as an extra at the end. As you know, you can get this for 1500 pounds. I was like, hey, I'm not doing anything for 1500 pounds. What the hell? And um, and so I tried to convince them to like, to, to actually do like a, an arm that would be an actual SEO agency. And they just didn't want to hear it. So uh, in November 2008, literally the height of the recession, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it myself. So uh, January 2009, I set up uh, Verve Search. The big thing for me is like, I was already fortunate enough to have a profile in the industry. So I had already spoken at a couple of conferences, not loads, but, you know, uh, SES, for those who uh, remember that, and SMX. And, and that had already helped me kind of build my profile. So although I couldn't take any clients, I couldn't take any staff, you know, I was quite confident that I could, I could get some clients within the first few months. I kind of grew up with not having any money. My parents didn't have any money. They were both bankrupt. So I'd, I'd been used to not having anything. So I think that was a huge advantage, really, in starting a business because I, I didn't think that, you know, if I fuck this up, there will be a disaster. I was like, if I fuck this up, I will be exactly where I was. It's not really a big deal. So that's really how I how I decided to start the journey. And I set up Verve Search um, in, in 2009. I love that it was because you wanted to continue growing and developing yourself and you didn't find a way. And no. I always thought myself about that. Like if you're not lucky enough to have people to 
show you the way or to give you the opportunities, yeah. give you yourself the opportunities. Yeah. And I Absolutely. Can I think that's, that's, that's so important. And, uh, and also that's when you, and I also think like, I'm not really a person that fit in with the, the kind of the, the typical mold in agency life. And so, you know, I realized that I also wanted to create somewhere, a place of working, which was very different to what I experienced. Like I'd, I'd experienced like really stupid things like sexism in the workplace, obvious, but also kind of bullying behavior. And, you know, the, the agencies back in those days were very much like everything was about, about pretending to stay late. And, and it wasn't really about doing the best work you could. And so I was like, I want to do, I want to do something great. I want to create something where people are proud of working there. And so that also spurred me on to go like, well, fuck it. I can do it myself. Love it. Amazing. In your case, Bastian. Uh, I think it was slightly different. I was trying to recall what, uh, what really sparked it. I'm not sure I've yet figured it out, but I think like when I started like as an affiliate in like end of the 1999, uh, 2000s, like, and then moved into some like in-house roles, I kind of always didn't really like the service that I got from agencies, to be very honest. So I think that was one thing where I like really felt that there needs to be something else out there that that kind of is up to standard with what I would expect when I pay someone um, like a certain amount of money, which was a big issue in the, in the time because you had those black box retainer situations where like no one really knew. And it's similar to what Lisa was saying. Like I think agencies were behaving and, and kind of acting very differently back in the day. And I always felt, I wouldn't say betrayed, but like I always felt it was not the kind of best investment that you could make as a client. I think that was one thing. But on the other hand, the funny, I guess the funny part of the story is that I never actually never wanted to run an agency ever. Like, so I got my, my now partner, Marcel, yeah, my partner now, um, Marcel, who's like my kind of co-founder in, in, in PKs, he uh, started out kind of at the same time, just from the, from the paid search side. And he kind of already had set up like a small, like I think it was six or seven people at the time when, when I, um, when we started uh, kind of to partner, but um, I, I, I always said, look, look, I don't want to deal with staff. I don't want to deal with all of that. I just, I'm like, I do SEO and that's about it. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what, what really kind of um, made me do it, but uh, I think the funny turning point for us was then, so when, um, that was 2011, actually, when we kind of uh, decided to, to, to go together. Um, and then I think I recall when at, at 25 and staff, like half a year later, we decided, well, we had to decide if we either stay at that size or start scaling up. This is more like the, this milestone that I recall, like you know, being like this 25-ish people agency and then deciding to kind of grow further. Um, that, that's more that kind of, for whatever reason, um, stay, stayed in my mind, to be honest. And just one question before moving forward, right? Because mm -hmm. um, from what I understand, neither of you had a business background. Isn't it? You didn't study. I don't even have a degree. <laughs> I like. I, it was like literally no kind of likelihood that there was nothing that would say that I would be a apart from in here. Like I always felt like I I I believed in my own ability to figure things out. And and again, I think that we, I said previously when we 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 talked a bit before we started was that you know I think SEOs are actually quite equipped to being. CEOs because they are by DNA almost the kind of people that likes to figure things out yeah, and the most curious minds yeah. those kind of roles is like yeah. you no know, you're not going to know everything right. and every CEO, yeah 
It's all different. You have to just be able to figure out. And that's such a, in entrepreneurship, that's that's literally the number one attitude to have is, you know, I, I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure I can figure out. And if you have that kind of feeling, you, you're likely to be a good entrepreneur. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a good CEO because it takes a lot of other things, especially around people. But, you know, that's, that's the seed. That's where you need to start. That's yeah. amazing to hear. And my next question, I think it has a lot to do with it. What will be the one thing that you will change if you could? Of uh, journey, right? When, when you moved into this journey to become an entrepreneur, a business leader, leader and, uh, a CEO at some point, if I ask you, if you could change one thing, what that will be? I don't really believe in changing anything because I, I really, really think that everything, even when you do mistakes, it's really, well, especially when you do mistakes, that's when you really learn something. And, you know, there are loads of things that I, I, I think to myself, look, I wish I didn't do that. Or I, I, I wish I've made that decision sooner. But, you know, that, that is part of development of your own personal development. Um, but if, if you told me you, I, could, I could go back in time and talk to myself at that point, Yeah, to, to, to make you aware of something challenging or to be yeah, give a heads up. I think one of the things I would really tell myself is like, don't take everything so personally. And yeah. it's going to be really hard. And, and people, you know, the thing that I really struggled throughout my year, especially the last few years, is, is you know, when, when you're a leader, you have to take a lot of flack from people when you might not even deserve it. But it is your job as a leader to be able to stand tall, even when you think, fuck, this is, this is bullshit. And, you know, I, I wish I could tell myself, you know, you, you can't be a friend and a CEO. Um, and I think the, the, the confusion in a lot of people saying, you know, you can do both. is like you can totally be a good friend and a boss, but you can't be a good boss and a friend because, you know, it's, it's like actual raising children. And that sounds ridiculous, but it's like you have to do what is right for them and you as a as a as a, a group. And they might not always understand that, but you still have to do it. And, and that is really hard on you as an individual. And I think the toughest bit as a CEO is just how much of this you have to take on your own personal kind of hit on, on your personal mental health. So I would have gone back to myself. Get that therapist straight away, lady. Uh, don't worry about it. People will hate you. You're going to have to keep on going. Don't take it personally. And uh, and try to enjoy it a bit more. You know, it's just so stressful. And, and, you know, have some fun. I, I love that you talk about this because literally I do believe that one of the most complex things in life is to manage people. Manage yeah. People, <laughs> yeah. Like... Uh, inspire people try to guide them but in a good way be empathic and be like it, it's it's very complex and indeed it can be a lonely journey if you're the yeah. one at the top doing yeah. all of the work and you have all the responsibility also not not only from a productivity perspective but also but to make money and yeah. to deliver to clients yeah. etc we don't talk about a lot about the soft skills that are necessary, the yeah. how you need to be very strong mentally yeah. to be able to yeah. handle all of this, not only the business yeah. side of things, but the people side yeah. of and the aspect of things. So yes. Yeah, I, I think of myself as a people person. Um, but you know, the business side, I think is relatively easy. You know, this this black and white, it's like maths. While the people thing is where you're likely to screw up most. 
and it's also the likely where where it hits you the most and the hardest thing is is by far the most challenging part of it because no one is the same so the thing that you learn from one is not going to be the same the next time so you have to always listen differently and be able to adapt to each person so you know it's it's kind of where my interest in psychology started was was from people you know i need to learn to understand people better to be a leader at all <laughs> anyway I'm, yeah. no that's very that's very true and i think the complexity gets even worse when you have uh, when you have then like i think we have 20 plus nations in the office right now because then i completely yeah. agree with what you've been saying but it gets even worse when you have different nations and nationalities that somewhat have a very different perception of certain things that you um, are saying. And then mix that up with uh, being German and very direct uh, and very straight in your communication. Uh, I can tell from experience that that doesn't always go down really well. So I think, but like one great piece of advice that I kind of like really love is the fact that you said, look, enjoy the ride. I think I would also I would add to that that I think the willingness uh, and openness to kind of change is also very important in regards to your job is different literally every other day and it's changing over time when the company is growing your responsibility responsibilities are changing so I think if you as a person are not open to change yourself uh, you're likely going to fail um, and I think it goes as far as like, you know, you, you're picking up certain things as an SEO, you're right. Yeah, you probably figured out or you know someone. I think this is also like network and, and, and kind of your yeah, kind of your backup support uh, group, however you want to call it, is super important. But I think like this, if you're not if you're not willing to do that and if you're not also, let's say, a type bit crazy um, and do enjoy it somehow, I think you're not likely to succeed. So I think uh, that that's a very that's a very big portion, at least for me. Uh, like if you if you don't enjoy it, it's going to be very hard. I love that you mentioned this because I do believe that this is also true as a freelance, as a solo consultant. If, even if you're solo, you need to be comfortable being a salesperson to promote yourself. It yeah. can be even a little bit harder because it's about you. So it's, it mm -hmm. looks like very egocentric, right? But indeed, I do believe that some people, especially in SEOs, we have, even if we're marketers. So for me, it's very shocking to see that some people have a hard time self-promoting or, or networking or communicating uh, and, and marketing their own services. And I do believe also that if you don't enjoy it, mm. there's no point on trying to push something if, if there's no fit. And it's okay. It's more than okay. But if you want to really grow a business, it's something fundamental. You need to sell. Oh. Yeah. And, let, and let's be honest, I think it probably goes for most digital marketing agencies that someone start out, they really suck at doing sales. Like there's literally no processes. They're all like, you know what, like we live off referrals, you know, trust me, been there, done that, but that is not, a, this is not a sustainable growth strategy. I can tell you that much. Uh, so I think invest in that early, uh, similar. And that's probably the other, the other big thing that uh, made a significant difference for us over time is, and it goes back to what Lisa was saying, because uh, HR or like people is going to make and break it. And having, having a properly staffed uh, and experienced HR team was something that really helped us along the journey, even though, especially if you somewhat smaller uh that's that's a significant investment to do if you kind of get people on the payroll just to kind of manage the team grow the team and have someone that kind of takes care of culture and whatnot but it's it's from our experience it's um it's it's money well spent so i would i would take that off my margin every day i definitely wouldn't i'd really disagree with the hr thing i think hr people are like 
devils from a depth thing. <laughs> no, they're not. I know loads of lovely HR people, but unfortunately, usually when when you bring HR in, it's, it's something that you've really done wrong. So I think it's a bit of like a plaster that is unlikely to fix anything. And, um, you know, when I sold and I was part of a big agency, they had HR teams and stuff, but they were only really brought in when there were things really difficult. And I, yeah, I, I actually went um, uh, went the opposite and, and very specifically didn't hire HR, but I invested a lot in personal development and, um, you know, therapy approached uh, kind of management for for people understanding people and stuff because unfortunately HR is very legal based and it might be different Depends. in Germany but okay, in, yeah, probably. Yeah. in the UK it's mostly legal based and it's like what you're and they mostly work from the employer's point of view and so quite often I know it's entirely opposite uh, here then okay yeah no so that's it, might be, it might be yeah. a different thing yeah, but yeah. Um, what I also I wanted to just pick on on something you said which I which I really agree with we also were international agency and you know mm it was one of the hardest thing but also one of the most interesting thing how many mm -hmm. people from different nationalities i think at the, the the highest we had like 18 different nationalities and you know what it but what was so amazing with that is that you can almost fast track your understanding because it gets kind of it almost like character the 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 different confrontation that can happen mm -hmm. um and I found it's usually it was it was usually the the Germans or the Scandinavians that that uh, were part of the the clashes because they would say something really ab abrupt and usually the British would be like oh my god you're so rude I'm like what was I <laughs> but you know it's it's it can also be really good and also I think um, interestingly I think people are more forgiving with people from another nationality because they're like oh well you know she's Norwegian. So, you know, you can, she is a bit rude and whatever. So it also helps the openness to be able to, to, to get on with the, you know, mm -hmm. acceptance that people are different. And so I, I, that's one of my favorite thing about running Verve was the international kind of mix and the, the, the creative thinking and stuff that came with that. Loved it. Amazing. I, I love that you already shared tips of what to do and not only what to avoid, right? Because that was going to be my next question. What would you advise to do or top tip, actual thing that you do believe can be a game changer as a, as a leader, as a manager, as a CEO, the top steps that you need to follow? Um, I think for me, the, the biggest turnaround in my career was when I, I got pregnant at 25 and it wasn't exactly planned. And I had postnatal depression after I had the baby. And then I went back into work. And the, the really amazing thing that happened was that I was too tired and too depressed to pretend to be someone I wasn't. So it took away all those layers of the, that I call the, the onion, you know, in Shrek, he says like the people are like layers mm -hmm. of onion and how, how I projected things that, that I thought people wanted, or, you know, at work, I need to be this way. And with friends, I need to be this way. And what actually then happened and what I find really interesting, and I really think this is the biggest turnaround for me was that you know, people are okay with you being a bit aggressive or being a bit rude or any kind of even slightly negative things, as long as you are authentic, because that's actually uh, neuroscience. It's your limbic system, which is inside your brain and has no capacity for language. 
and it's where you make decision. This is behaviors. And so when you meet someone and you are like, you know, oh, I'm not sure about this person. It's probably because your behavioral thing is saying, oh, there's, there's something here. Um, and more often than not, what is actually what the bells, the alarm bells are, is that they are they are reflecting a different person than who they are. Uh, and that is basically the biggest kind of shortcut to any success in, in any kind of industry is being who you are, because once you are, people will listen and they will buy from you. They will trust you. They will work for you. And, and really, that is the biggest turnaround I had. I basically, I got depressed, too tired to pretend to be someone else, just was who I was. And suddenly, I did really well at work. I won some awards. And then that also continued in my working life, like being really open and honest with how you're feeling and how what your limits are. Yeah, I think one of the things that we um, like founded the company on, I mean, next to, I think, having... Um, relatively broad set of like corporate values in general I think the one thing that always stood out to me and that's kind of the same uh, personally as well as I think from a from a business perspective is is just transparency um, in, in, in pretty much everything that that we do I'm also like a very transparent person um, like I have high standards for myself and I think um, if you then have like the ability to well, to be open about why you do that and how you do that and what you expect in return. I think this is something that you, then people would basically understand you better in as to why you're doing certain things because you mentioned funny earlier, you said like leading can be lonely. And I think that is very true, but I think um, it's also about not necessarily explaining, but just like by your actions, showing why you do certain things and how you do them and then be accountable for them right and i think this all like kind of ties back into into standards that you have for yourself um and that you probably also then need to um live by and th this is something that i like i always was that way relatively straightforward and like that that never changed so i think it goes back to uh literally what lisa was was saying you know each and everyone is different but if, as long as you are if you are real and you stay real and you don't pretend i think that's that's a very that's a very very big thing um whatever direction you're heading right and um i think also admitting admitting weaknesses and, and kind of shortcomings and in, in in every sense is is fine right so that's the one thing and i think the other thing that i um that i had a hard time with in the beginning especially because i'm you could probably say a control freak uh to an extent um that goes back to the issue with having very high standards i think um but delegation doesn't come easy if you're not if you're not used to it uh, at least for me uh because i always felt i think that changed um some people might disagree some might agree either way but like i think what it really is is that if you find like-minded people that live up to the same standards it becomes much easier and again then you build up this trust that you know what you expect them for whatever reason to deliver it comes back and then you're in this kind of working relationship but yeah delegation in when you grow companies especially as a ceo is is crucial and you should plan for things to kind of break and fail because that's necessarily going to happen at some point but i think this is like you can't like opposite to freelancing or like very small businesses at some point you basically need counterparts that you can trust blindly that that's basically that's basically the nature of the beast because you can't you can't be involved and can't control every aspect of the business anymore well yeah. thank you very much for mentioning that because i think that well there's always a trade-off 
for everything, yeah. of course. And uh, I can't see myself, for example, for example, having that issue. I, I really echo that. I have like I have got in impossible standards to a lot of things especially things like sign and stuff but I think this was actually my biggest the biggest turnaround in the agency for me uh was when I you know I realized there were a lot of things that I wasn't good at um and you know I'm a big visionary kind of strategy kind of person I'm like I see the big picture I'm a push person but you know if someone tells me to read this contract that's 23 pages I just glaze over and I'm likely to miss things that could really end up being a problem mm-hmm. and so I made this um, this was actually a really good suggestion I think it was uh, one of my advisors at that point that said you know write down all the things that you do all the things you do every day and we make it into a, a, it's a spreadsheet and then you you rate it for the things that you like doing and you think you're good at and the things that you don't like doing but you're good at and so on and from that, I created a job description that became the COO, which then I hired Bex, which was one of the best hires I've ever done. She is literally the yin to my yang. We are the same coin, we have the same values, but she's good at all the shit that I am not good at or I don't like doing and vice versa. And you know, that is really important, finding the person that can be your support and also that makes it a lot easier to be the CEO when you you have someone that that got your back that are good at the things that you know and and that had a big impact on the the success of the agency I think for you know I was doing stuff that I really didn't like it took me like twice the twice the, the kind of length of doing it um so I think, you know, being really honest with what you're good at and finding and hiring those people that have those skills or those personality traits that you're missing is, is huge. I love that. That is a very actionable, really good advice for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And then also I have to point out, right, but completely from an outsider perspective, in both your agencies, I also saw that you were actually very lucky to find amazing, let's say, specialists who were also leaders of the departments or the groups who you could also, I can see that sometimes they were also speaking at events, uh, Mm. posting things, et cetera. I did a lot of hires in the senior roles, which didn't manage people because I really value people that are specialists that are really good, but you know, we are missing so many people in leadership roles that, that, that are specialists, but don't manage people. We're always pushing people to be managers and, and, you know, I had, I had two people on my management team that didn't manage anyone and they were amazing at their job, but I really want to know what they thought, but they, they shouldn't manage people. It's a classic approach to like the old fashioned, like the old fashioned agency world. Right. So yeah. I think uh, only some of the like creative agencies just recently, there was a big thing in the past, a funny reason like that, where they announced, look, you know, we now have a track to go more like consulting-ish specialist track or management track. They now figured it out in, in 20, 2021. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of to answer your question, we have the, we, we, we kind of have the same. And the other thing that we never, that we, we usually failed in hiring people that were supposed to be team leads um, for whatever reason. So like we, I would say like in eight out of 10 cases, uh, we always ended up having people uh, to be kind of going through the company. And then at some point, kind of gotten promoted into 
uh, one or the other role. And those are the ones that we still have. So a great example is like Dominique who runs our uh, kind of SEO and, and, and kind of content teams by now. I think um, she started as an intern eight or yeah. nine years ago yeah. uh, and now is overseeing probably one third of the company. So, yeah. um, and we have a bunch of those. And I think this yeah. is great because this is actually them understanding the DNA and the culture of the company and then being, because that was one of our struggles in the past. Like Marcel and myself, we both obviously have had certain values and we never in the beginning had them really on a paper. Um, and we also failed to transport how we would do certain things. Um, so we ended up, that was, I think we probably were like maybe 40-ish at that time, so a couple of years back, really sitting down for, for days in a row, nailing kind of corporate values, giving examples as to how people should behave, what we are, because transparency, like just picking up that example is a great word, but what does that actually mean? How would you, how would you transport that? How, you know, would you react to certain things when things go wrong and whatnot? So I think that was one of the also key points, um, like going back to my, to my HR example from earlier, where like, again, for us, HR probably is more than recruiting culture and whatnot, but like giving them the tools to actually grow the company on that. We never use any like, recruiters external like job sourcing companies we like did all we do all the hiring on our own because we feel that it's a it's a culture first hiring we always did that internally and i think like this was a huge foundation to actually um grow beyond beyond kind of that 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 40 45 we were at that time actually that's one of the points where i wish i'd hired an internal recruiter yeah 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 that's what I meant. That, that's what I meant earlier. Like, so we, ah. we start like when we were when we were forty ish, forty five people. We invested into two recruiters, like one yeah. HR admin person and one like culture person. So like three, like four, and that's what I mean. Like, if you if you're kind of smaller, like four salaries for for that kind of, yeah. it's it's a lot of money, right? Yeah. But it's 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 money really well spent. Um, yeah. and, um, and that helped us a lot. To grow, you like, yes. you know, especially yes. when it gets to around 30, 35 people, and you're wanting yeah. to. You're going to have yeah. to speed this up because the growth is much, much more yeah. costly if you have to pay like five grand recruitment fees on every person you hire. I, I am actually thankful that you brought this up because especially for agencies, right, that yeah. are people-based. Mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. I can see this, how it is one of the trickiest part of things. It's like chicken on egg, or, yeah. right? Like you, you close in one week three new deals, three new projects, and all of a sudden you need to hire five yeah. new people. But then one of the contracts falls and you have an extra person to pay for and you need to close. And also chicken and egg, how, how do yeah. you scale in a consistent and mm. sustainable way yeah. from, a, from a cost, from a cost perspective too for, for mm -hmm. the company? Yeah, no, so that the recruiter thing is like we had... We had a couple of recruiters that we trusted in. And to be honest, most of the people working at Burb, they were like Bastin was saying, there's a lot of uh, people coming in from, you know, straight from university. In fact, mm. for, for Burb right now, after I've left, the, the, the MD uh, started as a outreach executive. And, and so uh, what I would say in, in that example is like the training that you give is so important. And that's, I think, is one of the, you know, we have a very specific approach of how we do outreach and, and the tools we use. And, and so we, we developed like a, a very tight training program that we could train people to be up and running in literally two weeks. 
And most of the people that we hired that had never outreached or mm. done anything like this before would get a national paper link in their first month. So you have to, if, if you've got to do that, you know, everyone has to do a chicken egg. And whether it is chicken or egg differs depending on where you're at, you know, yeah. you're just going to have to go with the flow and, and, and do what you can. But, but what I have never been keen on is like, there have been a few instances in my my career with Verve where you know we had to make cuts and we had to make people redundant uh, and we restructured or things like that but you know until I sold um, my idea was that I don't want to ever have to cut someone mm. because of money for and, and so I, I opened and I think this is really important if you want to be an entrepreneur you really need to focus on the cash flow in the first two years and I just earned up like a a really big cash flow. So if we lost a client, this didn't matter. We wouldn't have to fucking panic and hire any random person. It has to be someone that really gets it. They have to culturally fit. And then we have to train them really well and quickly and on board, you know, that that's what, that part needs to be really, um, really, really good and quality. But um I, I, yeah, I didn't ever want to be in that position where where you're just like letting people go or uh, not saying that I've never had to to let anyone go at any point. If you have people within your business that are toxic and are really negative and stuff, that shit just spreads faster than anything. And so that's another another thing that I think is I probably that's I wish I'd learned that quick quicker. That's, you know, I always like think that, oh, I can, con I can really get to them. I can develop them. I can, I can figure it out. But, you know, now I really don't believe if, if people are being toxic and especially if they're being really negative and, and are affecting other people in the business, you need to get them out. Yeah. There are certain things you can't change. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and like when people do things that are really unacceptable, yeah. you know, you, it, it can be so damaging to the agency if you don't show that that is not acceptable, you know, in, in, to, the, yeah. the, to the to the rest of the employees that, you know, if you don't perform or if you're being really rude or if you're being, you know, aggressive or anything, then you, that's not okay. 100% because it sets on standard that it is yeah. okay to do that eternally. And yeah, definitely can end up affecting the whole culture of, of the company. So thank you. Thank you very much. I am like mind blown myself with so many insights. Hopefully with all of this, people who are watching are much more clear of those do's and don'ts, those challenges, those aspects that are key to take into consideration too. So thank you very much, Lisa and Bastian. And if you want to follow them, you will see their handles here. And Lisa, you in your case, you're doing consulting business advice, isn't it? Yeah, I, I do mentoring. So one-on-one -on -one mentoring. I can only take on four um, at the moment though, because I, I, I don't want to do too much. And then I do um, non-exec and advisory as well, as well as investing um, in startups. So if you're looking for an amazing, wonderful mentor, you have Lisa here uh, with limited availability, but you can, of course, get in touch. Be fast. Be fast. fast. <laughs> Be fast, indeed. And, and Bastian, of course, who's the CEO of PKs, who I, well, I, I can see in your background. I don't know how many uh, awards you have anymore, Bastian. You probably- I, I don't know either. We had a good year last year. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm going to cut this. Don't worry. I'm just teasing you. But thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate thank your you. time. And if you have any questions, uh, any doubts, 
please leave them in the uh, comments here below. And of course, if you watch this video and like it, remember to like it, remember to subscribe to the channel. Thank you very much and see you in the next Crawling Monday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.